Welcome back, everyone, to Tangential Banter. My name is Ben Mowell. I'm here with my co-host, Jack Korzanowski. Mm. How's it going, Jack? It's going good. It's going good. Saturday morning. It was a short week. I'm going to have another short week next week. I got a lot of crap I got to do today, but... And Christmas is almost upon us. That's true. I've still true. got some shopping to do. Yeah. Me too. I oh, hate crap. that. It reminds me. That's probably one thing I should add in my list to do today. Bollocks. My mom wants me to get her a digital tire gauge, which I didn't even know was a thing, but it actually sounded really cool. I may get that myself. For myself, I mean. Imagine if you had a digital tire gauge that you then connected permanently to your car so you could see what your tire pressure was. Yeah, but then the thing would be like swinging around the tire when you're driving. No, they make them, but they go inside your tire. Yeah, how do those work? <clears throat> I think they're wireless, actually. Yeah, they would have to be. I guess they wouldn't or have they could to go be. through a slip ring. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, here we are on episode 15. Wow, we you... 15 episodes. Yeah, we've made it 15 episodes, which we have decided is going to be the finale for season one. Oh, oh so this is good. Okay, so we are only doing one episode today. I'm okay with well, that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that works. And so, I think it's a good topic, or a good couple of topics to end on. We have now decided it's the finale. Yes. <laughs> we like to think things through and plan ahead of time, as you can tell. We're very, very uh, well-prepared. Mm -hmm. Proactive. Mm, yeah. So, with that in mind, mm. we've really got some zingers for topics today. Mm. Starting off with... Oh, you want me to... Okay. Um, so, I think everybody is at least aware of the general bad feelings that people have against the Star Wars prequels, right? I think everybody likes to rip on uh, the Star Wars prequels or at least has seen people ripping on the Star Wars prequels. Ben, have you, you've seen that, right? Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> for a moment to step back, um, for those who maybe are more fringe fans or are only just vaguely familiar with Star Wars, the original films were episodes four, five, and six. Yeah. The ones that George Lucas created and directed and all the all that jazz. Those are the ones that came out 77, 80, and 83. They I came think. out before I was born. That's yes. all I know. And uh, so the prequels refers to episodes one, two, and three, which were filmed and released in the early 2000s. It was 99 for Phantom and then like 02-ish for Clones and then oh. Six for Revenge of the Sith, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, something something like that. Um, so they're called the prequels because they're obviously earlier in the story Star line. Wars universe storyline. Yeah. Um, so not to be confused with the most recently released episodes seven and eight and whatever else they have out. And there. nine, which I think is coming out soon, isn't it? Yeah, nine should be out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the uh Star Wars oversaturation of the movie theaters is what somebody once described because you know they have all the spin-offs too. Yeah, yeah. Like take a little tan uh, a little tangent to our main tangent, right? Han Solo is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. And like when I heard there's gonna be a Han Solo kind of origin story movie, I was so excited. But by the time it came out, Star Wars movies had been been, been released so frequently that even when it came out, I was just, I was like burnt out on Star Wars. I was just not very interested. I, I was interested, but I wasn't so interested to the point where I was like, yeah, let's go opening night. It was just, there was just too much. It See, was too much. I would argue that it's not oversaturated yet because they're still pulling in like a billion plus per movie. Oversaturated, I, I guess oversaturated for me, you know, you want to have some of that gap in between to build sure. up the apprehension. Yeah. There is no apprehension 
garnering with the new Star Wars movies. It's quantity over quality, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, you mean anticipation, right? Versus what What did I say? Apprehension. Anticipation, yes. Um, yeah, so I actually heard this week that um, 2019, Disney had five films pull in over a billion dollars each. A piece? Good yeah, grief. first time in history a studio's had five films in a year gross over a billion. Do you remember what they were? Uh, I think it was Avenger, like, yeah, Avengers, it was Avengers, I can't remember all of them. Avengers and Star Wars for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else was in that. They're probably all connected somehow. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, they're making stacks of cash, which is the reason that they're saturating the theater because people continue to pay. But to go, so get back, get us back on the main topic. So there's the original movies, episodes four, five, and six released in the late seventies, early eighties. Then George Lucas waited to do the prequels until starting in the late nineties. That's episode one, two, and three, Phantom Menace. You have Anakin Skywalker's little kid, uh, yada, yada, turning into Darth Vader. And no, that's not a spoiler because everybody, like they explicitly say that's what happens in episode six. And that's not a big surprise. Um, but the topic I want to talk about is the fact that everybody, I'd say the general population loves to rip on the prequels for being bad. And I consider myself among them. Like, I don't think that the prequels are good or maybe it's more accurate to say they could have been much better. So Ben, what do you, before I get on any more, what do you think about the prequels? So I guess I would agree to some extent with the sentiment that the prequels I would say are poorly done. Mm -hmm. um, however, I think that the sentiment may be stronger than the actual case against the films. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that there are a couple of reasons for that. Number one, I think stylistically episodes one, two, and three departed very strongly from the originals. Right. So we just, as you're watching the film, you don't get that nostalgia for the originals that you do. I would argue with the most recent releases, episode seven and eight and so on. They've, they've uh, retooled their, um, the way that they tell the story, the way that the visuals work. Um, it, it all matches much more similarly with the original episodes four, five and six. So I think in part episodes one, two and three were jarring for people because they didn't feel like star Wars. Would right? you say that they were jar jarring? <laughs> So that brings me to my second <laughs> point is that I think episode one and really anywhere that Jar Jar appears are somewhat fairly maligned just because of the presence of his character. <laughs> like he brings the whole thing down. Like, uh, I mean, as only Jar Jar could, right? With his right. terrible luck and um, lack of coordination. So I think... It, there's really probably those two factors are the ones that I think. Um, well, going back to my first point, I think if you took Star the the prequels as their own thing, if you could separate them in your mind, like if you'd never seen episodes four or five and six, and you just watched, you know, the prequels, I don't think you would think they're that bad. Mm -hmm. So I think really, if you're talking in terms of the entire universe of film and everything that's been made i think episodes one two and three on their own really they're maybe slightly better than average but they're not bad i think it's really by comparison to the rest of star wars mm. that they get so much heat and flack for being bad or trash 
So you you were mentioning certain things that they departed from in the prequels that they are now returning to in the episode seven, eight, nine. Mm -hmm. Can you think of what? Can you give us some examples as to what those are? <laughs> well, it's funny because the things that I can think of concretely are the things that I critique about the newest episodes. Okay. In that, I feel like the new the new episodes are just rehashes of everything that already happened yep. in episodes four, five, and six. So it's like, oh, congratulations. You've got yet another like world destroying circular or spherical super weapon, right? Yeah. Like, okay, it's not a Death Star, but it's essentially a Death Star, just different. It, right? was, a, it was a Death it Planet. Was, no, no, it wasn't called the Death Star. It was called the Star Killer, which is really, I mean, like right. killer versus death and then yes. star and star. And then they just yes. flip the words. Yeah. And then there was the the Luke-Anakin confrontation in Cloud City uh, on Bespin and then... In episode whatever that is seven you have the kylo han confrontation mm. and like i just felt like i'm re-watching mm. episodes four five and six like they didn't give me anything new which to their credit i think they realized that's what the audience wanted right it's like the whole south park member berries thing like they just want to feel like they felt when they were watching the originals yeah and so they're like well we'll just give them the originals right that's essentially they they heard all the blowback from the prequels. And yeah. Like, oh, oh, we can fix that. And then they gave them what they want, and people still complained. Now, <laughs> right. to be fair, I think episode seven, so the first of the new movies, like when I was watching it, I was like, this is just a new hope. Yeah. That's what this movie is. It's just, it's like a new hope. It's like episode 4.1. Yeah. But they came out and said, we did that intentionally to do, to, to make the point we're trying to, recreate kind of what you said recreate the ambiance of episodes four five and six now episodes and then they were saying well episodes seven and eight they're going to depart they're going to be their own you know yeah they're going to go down another different storyline it's not like seven's going to be analogous to five and eight's going to be mm -hmm. analogous or and it's not like eight's going to be analogous to five and nine's going to be analogous to six it was just the seven and four just to show you hey we're going back baby that's yeah. the strategy I heard. And if I remember, episode eight really didn't seem all that much like episode five at all. Um, so I think that they kept their word there. I haven't seen episode eight since the theaters. But um, how do we get on this topic? Because we were talking about the prequels at first. Well, I think because it's the conversation about the prequels only makes sense in the broader context of the Star Wars universe. Mm. Mm. See, now point I want to make, however, is that I don't think that the reasons why, because I, I think that they're bad, or at least I was disappointed in them. Now, when I was a kid and I was watching it, like I didn't mind Jar Jar when I was a kid because I was a kid, right? It came out when yeah. that movie came out when I was eight years old. I they, so they actually, I can't remember what restaurant chain it was, but they had like a series of Star Wars cups that you could get like the supersized drinks. And I actually for a while had a Jar Jar um, like mug thing with a, it was like a Jar Jar shaped giant plastic cover for it with this mm. hole for a straw and everything so yeah they really went hard after yeah. the characters <clears throat> um and even today i think people love ripping on jar jar just because he's really goofy he's obviously there just for the kids and unless he's the sith lord yes yeah, so that is another topic that i think we should hold off for now because that is a whole other episode so for those of you listening for a listener who's not aware um there is an ongoing theory that Ben and I have, you know, kind of 
read up on where Jar Jar Binks is the Sith Lord, where he is like above uh, Darth Sidious and everything, where he's one actually calling the shots behind the scenes, you know, behind enemy lines, as it were. And this, and you know, when I heard that, I was like, this is stupid. And then I was reading up this guy's argument. I was like, holy crap, this guy makes a lot of good arguments. Like these, these are very viable points. So it definitely goes deeper. But the one that like caught my eye right off the bat was they were talking about Jar Jar, um, his ability to jump so far. Um, and they're like, oh, who else can jump really far? Well, it's Jedi Knights or, or Sith Lord. <laughs> it was just like such this. Uh, stretch like he could jump far yes, therefore he yes, is Sith Lord yes. that was like <laughs> that was like my introduction to the whole theory and I was like oh this is gonna be but then you read beautiful. up on some like yeah and it's they like, do make oh, some valid points yeah they do and I don't I think at this point it's pretty obvious that it hasn't panned out but it was to the point where it was like let's see where 7, 8, 9 are gonna go yeah. with this but yeah. uh um unless you believe that Snoke is like old Jar Jar or, something. or like his underling or yeah. something like he's below Jar Jar um, or like he lost his little ear flaps and in his some face sort of tragic changed. accident. Yeah, because he like, has a flat face. And yeah, some... but maybe it all got melted off in acid or lava, like Anakin or something. I don't think so. But anyway, um, so the thing I want to so like there's Jar Jar people of ripping on, and the, so I think the the problem with the prequels there's there's two problems with them. One of them is, or maybe it's just really one problem is the bad acting and the bad writing kind of like together as a package deal. Cause everybody loves on top of Jar Jar. The, I'd say the next thing that they love ripping on is Hayden Christensen. That poor guy got the shaft hard from that, from those movies. Everybody loves ripping on him. How he's a horrible actor, how they couldn't believe his role as Anakin, how he completely botched it. But the thing is we look at, look at the people around him too. You got Natalie Portman as Padme. You got Samuel L. Jackson as whoa, whoa, whoa. Mace Windu. Yes. Okay. Sorry. You got Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. You got Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, you have Christopher Lee as Dooku. And I, I think all of those roles, when I'm watching this movie or those movies, I'm like, wow, the, this is some bad acting, bad delivery, bad writing. I guess it's not the actor's fault. But everything about the dialogue and how they're talking and, and how they act, no pun intended, is just not believable. It's not relatable. It feels fake and phony. But And everybody's, because that's all they know Christian Hayden, or Hayden Christensen from, they think that's how he acts in general. So they just rip on him because he's really not known for a whole lot of other stuff. But yeah. then you look at Natalie Portman, all the other people, and, and uh, McGregor, Christopher Lee, all these other people that I listed, you see them in other movies, and they're great. Everybody loves Ewan McGregor. Everybody loves Samuel L. Jackson. Christopher Lee has like an acting career of like freaking like 50 years or something nuts. And yeah. he's like a renowned actor. I mean, he passed away yeah. recently, but, um, and then you see all these really fantastic actors that are well-renowned in this movie and they're all bad. All their roles are unrelatable. All of them are flat. All of them are dry. So interestingly enough, I would argue almost always when you have, that loaded of a cast the film tends to be crap or i would say mediocre it's like they can't sustain that many strong characters mm. and it all just falls apart like because they're trying to make everyone important in some way mm. and just doesn't work for the story which i don't think is necessarily the case here with star wars it's just a f interesting aside if you 
like every time I see a trailer for a movie that has more than like two or three A-list actors, I'm just like, eh, mm. this isn't going to go well. The one exception I would say is uh, Tropic Thunder. Oh, Tropic Thunder. That is one Tropic of the funniest Thunder, movies like, I've ever seen. Tropic Thunder broke the mold and yeah. brought in like heavy hitting comedians. That is like the A-team. And, yeah. And they just knocked it out of the park. It's spectacular. I remember when I was so. seeing Tropic Thunder, my face, it, same thing happened when I saw Jackass 3D. My, I was laughing so continuously, like a half hour, 45 minutes in the movie, my face was hurting because I was laughing so much. Oh. Yeah, I remember, so I, I went with some friends, we watched, I watched, I guess, at least Tropic Thunder three times in the theater. And my one friend- Like in a row? No, not in a row, but like, well, it was in the theater. We okay. Three times. And I think the first time I went, my friend that was watching it with me, he actually like turned sideways and was biting the <laughs> the uh, theater cushion, <laughs> like this disgusting theater cushion. He was laughing so hard, like it actually hurt his ribs and nice. stomach. Yeah. And that was like- during the fake previews, pretty much. Oh, like, so the I mean, it was, it was early. Yeah, that's really the great part of that movie, early. how they just like, bam, just open up with those fake previews. Those got me absolutely howling. Yeah. Just yeah. No, no context, whatever. It's yeah. like, you know, you see the ratings, there's the actual previews, and then they just go right into the movie with those fake, oh, gosh. Oh, I remember those. Oh, so good. But anyway, so the, the point I want to make about the prequels is if you look at the story itself, right, because... There's, I don't want to give any spoilers away, so I'll say person A and um, his transformation into person B. You already said that wasn't a spoiler, right? No, I'm not talking about him. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the other guy. Oh, the Um, other guy. The other guy. So the transfer, well, well, I can say person B. So there's Darth Sidious in episodes four, five, and six. Everybody knows him. He's the evil emperor. So in prequels one, two, and three, I think a lot of people went into it in the theaters or even now go into watching and we're thinking about and thinking it's a prequel story about Anakin becoming Darth Vader. That's not the spoiler. Um, everybody already knows that's what happens. And I think everybody goes into the prequels thinking that that is the main point of those movies to show uh, you how Anakin turned into Darth Vader. And I really think that's either only in a side story or it's only as important as the actual other point of the prequels of just how the empire came to be and how the emperor came to be and that story is phenomenal if you think about on paper that story is about how a low-level politician consult like you know from a from a low-level planet yeah like he had really no authority and he manipulates his way up into the senate then he becomes the chancellor and then he uses his powers he institutes a war to then say, hey, we need to make me more powerful. Like he literally sows, I don't know if he intent, well, he definitely intentionally sows, but I don't know if you actually see it on screen, um, discord in the Senate to draw, to basically uh, uh, foment. Foment, yes. Foment, um, good word choice. Yeah. Uh, foment, uh, discord, and uh, what's wrong? A uh, gridlock. So he, as a chancellor, is saying, hey, I need to. You know, you guys got to give me more power so I can break these deadlocks. We can get things done. I can make decisions for us. So then they all agree and they give him all the power. And then he uses that to then say, okay, and there's no democracy anymore. And then that's how the emperor gets formed. And it is a phenomenal, really relate, like really relative and relevant story nowadays. Because that's like, I mean, we're talking about the big hitters, Nazi Germany, Soviet, well, Soviet Union is more through a a revolution. Uh, But then you have like the fascists in Italy, all of these big 
evil empires of today the prequels is like a guys this isn't going to be like a it's like a bad guy comes in and says i'm going to take over the world and takes over the government it's <laughs> it's like this guy who's very amicable very much like hey you know right. let's let's help each other yeah and how he takes power steadily and then you see his his evil side and in fact i think his deformation how he goes from you know hey i'm a normal looking guy to i'm all shriveled and in a dark robe and stuff yeah like when that happens is very I think uh, key. It's a very good symbolic, like you know. Now you see his true form once he takes mm -hmm. power. So, like the prequels, the story. So, about was he using a? Um, oh, what's the word? Um, when someone with mystical powers uh, disguises their appearance to look more fair, more. Um, what the heck is the word for that? I don't know. Is there a word for that? Yeah, there's a, a specific term, and I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. Hmm. Not an enchantment. There's something else. Anyway, it's basically an enchantment to make people like think they look better than they do. I mean, that's you know what I mean, so maybe he was really twisted and everything from the beginning. But as a politician, he had the power to look. Well, you uh, see, so then whatever. so the scene where he gets deformed. Where he's fighting Mace Windu and he's like, you know, Mace Windu's sending the force lightning back on him and that's what deforms him yeah. and like kind of fries him. Do you think that that was, just, so are you saying that's not like, oh, he was deformed by the force lightning. He was just that, he was so drained from Mace Windu's counterattack that his guise, his guile gave out. Yeah, I mean, it could be either way. Honestly, I'd forgotten about the yeah Mace Windu attack. But um, There was another comment I was going to make. So I think part of the other reason that the stories don't do as well in the prequels is that in episodes four, five, and six, you have very clear battle lines drawn, right? And they're it's easy to see the tension between like the David and Goliath story, right, of this small rebel alliance. They're on a shoestring budget. They don't have any help, and they're fighting this galactic empire, right? Mm -hmm. In one, two, and three, like... Okay, episode one, they're fighting the Trade Federation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, well, I'll back up. First of all, you don't really have any characters connecting between the two, except for Anakin, right? And Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan. But neither of them is the same actor as what you saw in the originals. Right. Right? So you're, you're kind of like forced to say, okay, I know the name, but you don't have any familiarity with the character that you're seeing on screen, right? Yeah. And so the whole the whole storyline is kind of like, I know this plays in, but I'm not really connected to it yet. And then they don't really, in my opinion, like episode one doesn't really establish a clear, um, like a crisis or conflict, okay. right? I, 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 I have a point on that. I, I, I want to make the, I want to let you know that I have a point on that because I want to let you continue. it. I don't want to forget to come okay. back, but yeah. So I, I just feel like in each of the three, there's the... Um, antagonist group or whatever just doesn't really feel like the same level of threat yep. that the empire did in four five and six right I would like definitely agree the with fact that. Yes. that they could snuff you out at any moment and yep. like your hope hangs by a thread that but, david and goliath feel right is right. not there yeah. it's not there so i mean it's the trade federation and one and two really right i think the trade i think it the trade federation is the main bad guy in episode one they are one of the players of the confederate Right, they call the Confederate um, Alliance or something. I can't remember. Yeah, but um, so they it there again. It's still like you have the united power of an entire universe or galaxy, I guess. Yeah, 
um, through the Senate at that point in time, that's still wielding authority yeah. and unifying, you know, hundreds and thousands of planets yep. against these yep. um, actors, right? So it feels like your side has all the power in the situation and there's just these agitators that have to be dealt with, right? right. So I just, I think part of the way that they fail is they don't really get you feeling like, there's much at risk or there's a, there's really a conflict going on. So to your point. Right. So the point I want to make is because you said like, you know, it's the trade federation episode one, you know, it's not a very, it's kind of a faceless enemy. It's not like this big, bad group. And one complaint I've heard by episode one, it's like, you know, Oh, new hope is all about, you know, destroying the evil empire death machine. That's going around blowing up planets. Episodes one, it's about like a trade dispute. They're in the Senate talking, you know, like they're putting on a, uh, a, 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 What's it called? Not a boycott. Um, a um, embark. No, embark. No, not embark. You know what I'm talking about, though, where they cut off. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh oh no. What's blockade. the word? Blockade. Yes. So it's this kind we of must move quickly to cut off all communication. Yes. Yeah. Does not move any uh, any of his lips. <laughs> but so it's kind of like this boring story, but. If you combine that with the points you made about two and three, about how the, all these agitators and like this group that goes away, and if you don't look at it like it's supposed to be an action, sci-fi, bunch of battles stuff going on, and you look at what's really going on about sure. cities yeah. taking power, you see how he uses this simple trade dispute to become – he, I think he becomes the chancellor in episode one. I think he does because and he uses this trade dispute because what happens, right? They um, first Naboo is suffering, then from this uh, uh, this um, blockade. blockade from the trade, and it's a, it just this trade dispute. The Senate saying, and eh, we're not like, well, you know, hey, trade federation, don't do that. And then the trade federation saying, we're not doing anything illegal. You know, they violated our rights, so or you know, an agreement, so we can do this legally. So the Senate's kind of just like putzing about, and then you have um, the guy come and say, hey, you know, I can. Naboo this is my home planet. I can, I can help you guys out, um, but you guys got to kind of help get me in authority into the Senate and stuff. And then, well, it's not even that because he, through his side dealings, convinces Padme to um, oust the right. The, so she yes, casts a vote of no confidence into the, the Supreme Chancellor Valorum's leadership. Yes, into the current. Cha- so that's my point: is he was you see him using these kind right. of inane, mundane, boring elements, right? Rules of order, yeah, to. Gain power because in Phantom Menace he uses this trade dispute to oust the current chancellor, and then he then he's like, "Oh, now we need to vote for a new chancellor." And then, hey, look, we're, we nominated Palpatine to be a new chancellor, and he's like, he's like "Oh, guys, c- come on, no, right. he's I very, the, yeah." The and then what do you know? He gets put. He gets put there. Um, so he becomes the chancellor, and then so I think if you, the point I want to make about the prequels being bad, my overall point is I think everybody looks at the bad acting the bad writing and says, Oh, the actors, you know, it's Christian one, Christian Haydenson's fault. Hayden he's, just, he's a bad, he's a bad actor. Say, no, look at all the other actors. They're bad in this movie too. But unlike Hayden Christensen, we have plenty of other examples of these actors doing well. I really think it's a matter of directing. Cause I think these guys are basically told, not explicitly told, Hey guys, I want you to act poorly, but they were told to act in a way that just didn't pan out. I think if they were just, able to go on their own they would have um, could you imagine if an actor showed up on set and the director was like act bad act worser uh yeah um uh yeah i think i'll try that yeah let's do another take so on top of that i also think that the the main 
gem of the of the prequels is not really realized by a lot of people because sure. they're looking for action yeah. they're looking for like a david versus goliath story and it's but, it's much more of a political machinations you have to try to see how um the emperor becomes the emperor that's what the story is and if you look at it that way and you see how he does it it's one say like, oh wow i think that story that part of the story is done really well um it feel it, it was it wasn't done sloppily like lucas made sure that he kind of uh got all of this eyes dotted and t's crossed and whatnot but it's also really really relative to the real world because it's like oh crap this can actually happen right so i mean and that's where i think um i would say they kind of the biggest blunder happened because i'd agree with you what happens behind the scenes in the prequels is very much a driving force it's to me it's like when I first watched The Office, having not worked in an office environment, yeah, I got a lot of the humor, but I didn't get any of the humor or the story, the big story behind it of a company that's floundering, mm-hmm. downsizing, like all of the backstabbing that's going on, and like all like the key drivers of plot points were all lost on me until I actually worked in an office environment, right? And then I go back and watch, and I'm like. Oh, I get it now, right? Yeah. So I think it's kind of that way with the prequels where the driving factors behind what's happening in the universe are really what make the story interesting. And those aren't on the surface. And when you were somebody who, when it was a story that was much more blatant and explicit in episodes four, five, and six, to suddenly be in this subterfuge, like behind the scenes kind of stuff is a little bit, it's a hard ask, I think, for a a lot of the audience. And going back to your your analogy to and well not really yours but pointing out the analogy to um like the rise of hitler essentially yeah i think you could say to draw a fair comparison that almost all films that include him are about world war ii right so it's about the battle lines have been drawn there's already clear good guys bad guys right uh-huh. like you've got someone who's out of themselves is essentially an enemy of humanity yeah um and so that's where like probably 90 plus percent of any documentaries or even fictional films about that era reside. Yeah. There are very few about the, whatever it is, 33 to 39. Yeah. Era, where right? he actually, or the, even before 33. Or before 33. Because three, he got so, in power in 33. Right. And then he was building up the army. Building right. Up the, so it was like, it's really so the late 20s like, to yeah. 33. Like that 15 is, years, we'll say from like 25 to 40. Right. Yeah. Like there's... There's very little about that era. And even if there was, and there is, I'm sure there is, but the audience you're going to get to watch those is very different than the audience that's going to watch, Yeah, you know. A World the, War II movie. A World War II movie, exactly. Like Pearl so, Harbor and Glorious Bastards. Yes. So I would argue that in attempting to paint the picture of how we get to episode four mm-hmm. through this very political, you know, back room kind of thing yeah um they missed their audience right like they were telling a story that wasn't for the audience that was watching their movies you know this one i agree i agree with you and i think it could have been for the audience because i think the audience would be interested in how the empire became the empire because it could have right they could have just made it really simple it could have been where there was like this small force that uh, you know, a guy said, I want to take over the universe. And like, he literally just stormed in. He was a Sith Lord. So he, he could do a bunch of like, he could like wipe out armies. And then he just like a coup d'etat and overthrew the government. And now all of a sudden he's a bad guy and, and, a, t- and a tyrant, you know, kind right, of one dimensional right. like that. They could right. have, 
But the way that they did it, I think, is much, much, much better and much more sure. entertaining, more, more much more believable, much yeah. more uh, relative when you see how, nope, that's, it's not like some violent guy you can see from a mile away coming. It's because that's not how it's going to be if we here in the real world get taken over by a tyrant. He's going to come in smiling. He's going to come in saying, well, I'm going to help you out. And most tyrants in reality uh, rise from the ashes of another tyrant, right? Like they were... They were a savior at one point in time, like you see, mm. it, especially um, in a lot of the like military dictatorships in Africa and stuff like that, where mm. it's like, well, this guy was saving you from whoever horror was before him. Right. And so he's a pe- uh, popular leader. Right. He yeah. was a man of the people. And then he gets in office and then magically he doesn't want to give up power and he yeah. treats people horribly and like nothing really changed kind of thing. But that's not what happens in the prequels. No, know, the no, guy true. He, you know, the, who would be eventually become the Empire basically just did say, I want to take over the universe. And, but he did it without really any means to do he it. He was a uh, and you see uh, him little s- finger. That's what was. A little finger. Yeah. What does that mean? You haven't seen Game of Thrones or read the books? I haven't, no. Yeah. So I, th- so I haven't, but I would think that the prequels are very Game of Thrones-esque or underneath. Like, so the point- It's funny because when it, my brother was watching that show, like when it first started coming out, yeah, I, I would see him watching it. And I actually gave him crap because I was like... Um, every time I walk through the room, like literally all that's happening is there's people standing around a table talking or like looking at a a k- cooking fire or something like that. He's like, no, 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 it's really good. I promise. Because yeah. there's all this like uh, intrigue happening, right? Yeah. And, like all the political, like you're talking about maneuvering and yeah, like people saying one thing to somebody's face and then doing something totally different, right? Yeah. In unexpected ways. So Littlefinger's like the master of manipulation in that show. He's somebody who was like basically a, not a peasant, but like a lowly, um, no one special. Right. And, um, he's in love with like a member of like a, not a no, a noble, yeah. a noble woman or whatever. And so any, anyway, his, his interest in her and his desire for power, like twist together into like uh. driving him to like, basically he starts a war that kills probably 20% of the people in the kingdom and, well, that's not very it's, nice. It's pretty crazy. And he's never the one giving orders or like sitting on the throne or yeah. whatever, right? He's just manipulating. Always behind the scenes manipulating. Yep. So I, I would think uh oh oh, so you said that the, the the real story of the prequels, if it is this political machination stuff, it was not the story that the audience it was not the story for for the audience right there was a mismatch there and that's probably why they didn't do so hot i would agree to that and on top of the you know as i said before add in the bad acting and the bad writing i should you know what the bad directing i'd say it's i don't want to blame the actors or the writers i really think it was the directing that was poor or maybe the the, the writing too maybe it was were, the writing those, and the directing who number. directed those was that lucas i think it was, it was. i want to say yes but don't quote me on that um but anyway i think George. what they tried to do is how do we get this political this actual p- political semi-boring story boring for the people we're selling it to how do we mix that with the actual action and star wars-esque you know sci-fi cool battle scenes how do we mix those together and i think what they really just did was oh let's make it half and half and they just sort of mashed them together and sent them out and i think that the execution was poor and top and so you have that poor execution the poor mismatch um of of those two elements or maybe it was just because it, there wasn't enough of one versus the other they tried they they chased after two hairs and they caught neither as it were 
you know, mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't go all they didn't commit to to one or the other. The political scheming, I think, is when two, you say hares, you mean H A R E S, right? Yes. Okay. Two rabbits. Yes. Um, I love that phrase because it's actually very. Um, I think it's very <clears throat> illustrative to how you have to, you know, prioritize and commit your resources. Because if you if you're chasing after two rabbits and you don't catch any, well, you didn't get any reward, but you sh you, you sure expended your resources to get them. You know, yeah. Sort of aspects. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I think that the prequels got a bad rap because of bad acting. And again, I don't think that's the actor's problem. I think it's the, maybe the writers and the directors. I don't know who, I don't know how much the, the, you know, Lucas had a hand in the writing. Like, I don't know if the writers were really trying to make the, the lines better or maybe more involved. And then Lucas was stopping him or if he just, Hey, you guys need to get the script out like in, five days we or need something. an expose we need like yeah we need a whistleblower as it were so i know i'll put it's it this funny. way I, the, the acting was bad everybody agrees to, i think most people would agree to that and we all know that the director directs okay. the actors hold on directs the actors so you could very easily put the blame on the director for the bad acting especially considering that we've seen these actors do really well in other roles so i don't think it's them the writing i don't know I don't know if it's that – I don't know how much hand the director has in the writing, so I don't know if it's that the writers are bad or if they were good, but then the director messed it up. So you have those elements, and then you have the elements of you guys really have a good story underneath all of it, but it was just – it was executed poorly. You didn't bring it into the limelight enough. You didn't make it the main point. I think it was just like this yeah. this sort of like, oh, by the way, this is how the Empire comes to be, when really that should have been the main point. But it's like the movie was called A Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, and the Attack of the Clones, right, is all about how he builds his army in a legitimate way. And then episode three, you see how he uses that army to then, like, say, I'm your tyrant now. So episode again, episode two is, like, hey, guys, you know, we have all these systems trying to leave the Senate, all these systems trying to leave the universe. We got to, it's sort of like a civil war here. It's like, we got to keep them in. We got to keep them, keep us together. Oh, crap, we don't have an army. Oh, how about this? How about we raise an army? We we have an or we had one on order from the clones, just in, from uh, Camino, just in case something like this. Let's bring them in and then we can, you know, uh, solve the civil war. Okay, great. Yeah, let's do that. Here you go, Chancellor. Here's some authority to do that. We say, let's do this. And they're like, yeah, but oh, but I don't have the authority to do that, guys. Guys, you got to give me the authority to do that. Okay, yeah, here you go. And I, I think they got rid of term limits on him at one point. But to the MLS power, he did what he wanted, but then he didn't give it back. And they never do. I mean, that's no, they never do. That's the reason. I mean, we talk about parallels to the real world. Like, that's one of the reasons no one should ever be giving or allow the executive branch to take more authority because it never gets given back, right? Yeah. Like, all the crap we saw with the Patriot Act is. Was all set to expire, and it's just it never. It's, it's no, that's reality forever. Yeah. So, so I think I've I've. I was, so you talked about the bad acting. Though. I, I want to pose this question. Yes. What did you think about Jar Jar's acting, Jar or Jar. even Watto? Say like the non-main CGI characters, because I feel like even though you may not like them, the acting was at least dynamic. Oh yeah, no, I thought Watto was was good, particularly in episode two, uh, where you know Anakin. It's like ten years after Phantom Menace uh, when he go when Anakin goes back to find his mom, and then he uh, finds Watto, 
and Watto was like, you know, Annie, little Annie. And then he's, you know, he's like, he was basically like this, um, he was his master, right? Because Anakin right, yeah. was a slave and Watto kind of is abusive to him in episode one, a wee bit. Like he's a, he's a hard master. I wouldn't say he's abusive, but he's not, Yeah, I wouldn't call him generous or nice to him. But, you know, he says in Anakin in episode one's like, hey, you know, can I leave? And Watto just says, like, sweep the shells and he can go. And he's like, yay. So he's not too bad. But then when he sees Anakin again, he's like, Anakin, you know, it shows that he's kind of like this gruff guy. Yeah. But I think he's nicer than he puts on. Eh, I don't know. And then he tells him where his mom was. Um, you know, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, Anakin, I sold your mom. I needed the money. But I can tell you who I sold her to, you know, helps her, helps him out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, hmm. I liked him. And Jar Jar, I thought his acting was fine considering his character. No complaints. Right. It's hard to tell. It was more the constraints put up, put yeah. on the role. Yeah. Hmm. So. I think it's a good ending point. Abrupt change of topic. Yes. So we've uh, kicked around this idea of a... Also, why is there a box cutter sitting there? Oh, I remember I had to open the package. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. I just haven't brought it back. Okay. Um, so we've talked several times off microphone about a potential mm -hmm. game show, cooking game show. Yes. And I'm trying to think of how to introduce this topic. Well, I can, it was, you know, it was my idea. I can, I could talk. About well, it. and I mean, it really, so it centers around the, the, uh, perspective, I guess, that most flavor and food that people appreciate or deem to be good i would say amongst the masses mm -hmm. really boils down to just a couple of ingredients right cheater ingredients yeah cheater ingredients I'll, I'll we're, call them we're jumping right to the judgment phase yes okay so what why don't you tell us about that so the um the thing that got me i don't know i don't really want to start so i'll put it this way the the game show the idea is it's going to be it would be sort of like an iron chef sort of deal where there's multiple contestants and you know that head the host says okay guys you have to make something edible well not edible uh you have to make something you know appealing out of this base ingredient mm. but the base ingredient would be something like orange peels banana peels avocado pits now avocado pits probably not because those are way too hard um uh, cardboard, you know, edible cardboard, literally things that are like, okay, you can eat them. It's safe. You're not going to die or get poisoned, but nobody would eat this stuff or like, you know, like peanut shells and all or the... like, uh, was it Brie cheese has that rind on the edge? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like Brie cheese can eat it, but most people don't. Right. So it's all these unappealing, um, edible, but not stuff you would actually eat items. And the whole goal is, or the whole point is you only have butter and associated products like margarine and lard, um, sugar, and cheese. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Salt. Salt. And these really kind of, um, oh, maybe I'll take salt out. No, I'll put salt in there. So you, have, you only have these really basic items to, to make it work. And the reason why, and no spices or anything, and the reason why is it's, it's my answer or my solution to my frustration when I go out to eat or somebody makes something and they say, oh, wow, man, this is so good. I have never tasted anything this good before. And you look at the label, it's like, well, yeah, because it's like half of it's butter or half or like fried chicken. Oh, this fried chicken so good. Yeah, because it's deep fried in oil. Oil. That was another one. 
where it's basically and salt, right? where it's like this takes no skill to make you just slathered a bunch of butter or sugar on this thing and of course yeah. it's gonna be good oh these cookies are so good it's like yeah because you're loaded with sugar and butter you load anything with sugar and butter it's gonna be good wait a minute you load anything with sugar and butter it's gonna be good that's where the idea came from so like cinder blocks mm, no it has to be edible taste. edible I mean, technically it's edible yeah you'd break your teeth chewing on it there are, have you ever seen the show my strange addictions no there are people who like eat rocks and like chew on them or they swallow the chunks whole no they they get like uh like sandstone or something that there's like some rocks that the small pieces are hard but they're very granular and so oh, kind I see. Of yeah disintegrates and like they'll chew on those like they like the texture and they'll chew on them and eat them or That's weird there's a guy in the Guinness book of world records who's eaten like tv sets and bicycles and stuff like cuts them up into little pieces and then why would them. he do that he has some sort of mental illness or what the butt, vitamin de- deficiency or something. I don't know. Vitamin deficiency. How would your body know? Say, oh, I need vitamin. I need iron. I need vitamin. I need, I need vitamin. iron. Give me that bike frame. I need vitamin F. Oh, man, that bike frame's looking pretty good. And you're like, how does your subconscious brain make that connection? I don't know. Anyway, so the whole point of the show is going to be you have only these very, I'll call them vain uh, in, ingredients. And the reason why is because. You know, somebody might be saying, well, why not different spices? Because spices aren't what I would call cheater ingredients. Because you can make things taste really good with spices like paprika, oregano, basil, thyme, all all of the things in a spice rack. But those aren't caloric, or at least their caloric values are so minimal that you can consider them non-caloric. You know, it's not like something, oh, this butter's really good. It's like, well, or this butter, this food's really good. So, yeah, because you load it with like 300 calories of butter. You know, anything's going to taste good See, with that much butter on it. And then again, that's where the idea came from. I wonder if you put enough butter on orange rinds if they would taste good. I would flip the argument and say that you could call paprika or garlic or whatever you want. You could call those cheater ingredients because they bring their own strong flavor to whatever dish they're in, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas butter, you never taste something delicious and go, huh, tastes like butter, right? Like, okay, I, salt, I you could. I don't know. I feel like they, uh, it hides a lot more in the background. Well, right? I, I think the reason why I'm calling them cheaters is because their caloric values are so high. So it's like, you know, you can say, oh, I made the, you know, I made grilled vegetables. It's like, no, you are eating a lot of butter with some vegetables thrown in. You know, don't call, you know, Call a horse a horse, you know, call it what it is. You just put a bunch of butter in there. Of course, it's going to taste good. You know, you want to impress me with your ability to fry vegetables, make like a whole pan full with like half of a tablespoon of oil and spices. And if you can make that taste good because you cooked them long enough, you added the right amount of spices, yeah. that takes skill. And it's like, wow, there's only like 150 calories in here. You know, it's a whole plate full of fried or a sauteed vegetables. Tried- That's impressive. But when you just take like, oh, I cut up this onion and some asparagus and I threw like half a cup of butter in here and voila, oh, it's so good. It's like, no, it's just, it's just covered in oil. You're tasting the oil. Quit acting like you're a saucier. I don't know if that's the right use of the word <laughs> saucier, but. I actually did, uh, this was a few years ago now, but I was experimenting with trying to, I will call it saute with water. Okay. So it was like I got some, I think it was bok choy and onion and I can't remember what else. But so I was essentially, I mean, it would be, it'd be kind of like boiling, right? But it was in a, it was in a pan. shallow pan yeah. with just a very minimal amount of water, yep. right? 
And so I was, I was kind of trying to make sure that the vegetables were getting uh, heat, conductive heat from the pan yeah. to the point where they would actually like sear. Yeah. And then the water was more to just kind of soften them a little bit. So okay. uh, it wasn't, but then there again, I was using, um, I was actually using like a barbecue seasoning mix. Okay. Like sprinkled on there to give some flavor. There you go. And I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't amazing. <laughs> It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't amazing. Now, if somebody wants to say, oh, but spices are cheaters because you can make something really gross, you know, taste or maybe tasteless, uh, flavor, flavorless, taste good with the spices. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not arguing against that. I'm just saying that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is you load anything with butter or um, butter or salt or oil. Yeah, it's you could use too much of it, particularly oil. Like when things get oily, the texture starts getting weird. So maybe yeah. same with butter. But you know, banana bread or like, you know, any sort of dessert. It's like you want to make it better, add more butter. That's really it. That's there's no skill involved. Add more butter. That's the point I'm trying to make. Is that it's it's like, oh my I got this secret recipe for my secret, uh, family, family secret recipe. recipe. It just uses a, it's the it's the box ingredient. You just added butter, right? That's all you did. It's it's frustrating. So anyway, I'm going too long on my frustrations with the cuisine culture around me. The whole point of the show in particular is you have these vain ingredients, cheater ingredients, and the point is you have to make these un otherwise um, un unappealing food items into an appetizing dish using only those ingredients. And the point, or and my theory is I think it could be done for pretty much most of them. Because all of your episode one is going to be beets. Beets? Yeah. I think you can make beets good on their own. No. That's Don't false. So. I haven't had beets in a long time. But beets? Oh, yeah. You just... All you I was told as a child that beets were like... They tasted like candy. And uh -huh. I was like, no, they don't taste like candy. <laughs> they taste like garbage. I think all you needed... Did you know that beets, sugar beets, are the second most... What's the word? Uh, sh like sugar production in the world. Beets are the second most prevalent source of sugar. Behind sugar cane? Behind sugar cane. Yeah. And it's like 80% sugar cane, 20% sugar sugar beets, and then like a minuscule amount from other stuff, or something like that, where it's just like sugar yeah. cane's got a freaking monopoly. But yeah. I think um, sugar beets are probably more common yeah. in the U.S. I right? think it's for that reason, too. In terms of sugar production in the U.S., it's sugar beets. Yeah. Um, but beets, you know, I... What if, what if sugar beets was the name, like a DJ... Sugar beets. Like it. But like beets, for example, right? For your ears, yeah. You could uh, saute it in butter and sprinkle it with sugar. You know, I bet that would taste good. Why? Because really all you're tasting is like, oh, this fried sugar is pretty yeah. darn good. It's like, yeah. No, no one. So the, the thing that the ingredients really don't address too well, they do to some degree, particularly if you fry the food, is the texture of the food. That's yeah. one thing you're not really, like orange rinds, no matter how you cook it, I think, oh, I guess you can make them crispy. <gasps> Ooh, orange rind chips. I bet you there could you do go. that. See, and see, if you invited me on this game show, though, I would, every time, no matter what main ingredient you gave me, I would just take my stick of butter, yeah. roll it in sugar, and then <laughs> fry it. <laughs> so I wouldn't use whatever whatever it was that it was No, you would have to. to. That's, you, that's the point. You have to use all of it? Of the, you have to use the ingredients that we give you. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just I'll make that like the um, the bed upon. No, which it has I to be part of the, the food. They have to eat that. 
So remember, the point is the point of the show is making the the the, the provided ingredient appetizing. So if you use it as a bed, you know, you could feed the, the judges a stick of butter covered with sugar. And then they say, oh, man, that was great. But then they get to the actual ingredient. They taste it. So you didn't do anything with this. It's awful. And then you would lose. Maybe. That's the or point. maybe I would. That's the point. What if, what if your ingredient was like sand? I would say no, just because I don't think that's, I wouldn't consider that edible. I mean, you could eat it, but if it's, it's one of those things where it could like damage your insides. Yeah. I know orange rind isn't like that. It's not biological either. I think pine cones. Yeah, that could be one. Pine cones. And another Mm, point. Pine cones. My favorite. (laughs) What's that from? Ice Age. Oh yes. Um, So another another aspect I I don't think I've mentioned is uh, the cooking means. Like you can bake it, you can fry it, you could saute it. You know, whatever. Could you cure it? Could you cure it for ninety days, like a good salami? I would say for the sake of the game show, no, but maybe it could be like a spinoff where it's like, let's cure these pine cones. <laughs> but, and then you come in and say, holy crap, there's a bunch of saplings in here. <laughs> uh, um, but I mean, like the means of cooking are also, it's like you have whatever means available yeah. so long as you can get it done in the time allotted. Sure. You know, so you have, you have an oven, you have a stove, you have a deep fryer, all that stuff. You'll definitely have a deep fryer. Because you can pretty much deep fry anything. That's half the battle. Deep fried pine cones with, you know, for maybe you you roast them first, you know, like even crispier and not as kind of, I wouldn't say chewy, but, you know, there's a springiness to the pine cones, I would, I would yeah. imagine. Um, I was going to say, I think I would steam it until, uh, if I could, get it as, like, noodly as possible okay. and then fry it. Oh, that's interesting. Because I think when you fry it, all the steam would just it would just steam up. So you'd, you'd soak it, you'd steam it, and then it'd get all like you know, uh, it'd get moisturized, and then you would deep fry it, and all the moisture would just steam out again. Well, I mean, you'd put some kind of batter in there to yeah. trap it. Right? But yeah, I mean, oh, batter—that's another thing too. But I think batter is really just a mixture of the other ingredients that I well, listed anyway. Definitely sugar, butter. butter what else? Flour. Flour. That could probably be another ingredient. I think it's a pretty vain ingredient. But well, maybe not. Because I think flour, there are things that you, you you can't make cookies without flour. Right. Any kind of bread. Yeah. Like or, you, I mean, you could use rice, flour, whatever. But you got to use some kind of powdered. Because yeah. um, that's the actual substance plant, of it. Right. Yeah. You can make cookies without butter. You can make bread without butter. I think you normally make bread without butter. You apply the bread, the, the butter afterwards. But you can make cookies without butter. You can't make cookies without flour, or at least some sort of substitute for yeah. the flour. You know. I also think it'd be interesting, and I mean, some shows kind of do this anyway, where they've got like the mystery ingredient, or whatever, uh-huh. or something like some weird thing that you've got to include to make it and make it taste good. But like, if you did that with, uh, I think it's like Belgium makes cricket flour. Cricket flour. Yeah. Really? They have cricket farms and then the... Oh, they make it out of crickets or they just add it to the flour? They make it out of crickets. Oh. So they they have these cricket farms. They grind up the crickets. Well, dry them, grind them up, and turn them into flour. I think I've heard of that. I've heard it makes really dense, actually really tasty bread. Huh. And it's probably not a lot of carbs in it either. Probably a lot of protein. Probably not. Probably very high in protein. Wow. I'll have to try that out. Yeah. See what that's like. I mean, somebody when in small. I would. Bread, I would guess you could buy um, cricket bread, cricket, cricket flour. Huh. 
wonder if you have to cook it any differently or bake it any differently. You know, remember about a year ago, somebody brought crickets to uh, yes. group. Did yeah, you did you try crickets. one of those? Yeah, I did. Uh, it was very very uh, savory flavor, very umami flavor. I feel like they they were seasoned though, weren't they? I think so, but I think yeah. like just the you can tell like there's no sweetness or anything to them. Yeah, it was a very they're dry too, really dry. Like yeah, uh, they're very almost cr- crispy. Like, I would say. Uh, you're talking earlier about like peanut husks or shells or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And peanut husk can be another one. I already mentioned that, but you know, items like that where it's safe to eat, but nobody eats them. They so they get it and they throw it away. Apple cores. Apple cores. Yeah, I would say so. Although I have eaten those before. I have too. And but stems. Yeah. Include. No, that would be it. Would be apple cores. So you have the seeds. You have the weird parts of the seed core that are like kind of hard and not. Like the ovary walls, basically. Yeah, yeah. and then the stems. Yeah. You know, apple cores um, would be one. Stuff like that. Huh. It doesn't have to be specific to fruit. Loops. <laughs> uh, maybe a bone marrow? That'd be weird. Well, when I was in Mexico, we had, uh, like, I don't know what they're called, but they were, like, split hog femurs basically and you just eat the marrow out you scoop it out with a spoon was it good it was pretty tasty yeah, yeah it was gelatinous texture never had it before but <coughs> yeah marrow's packed with a bunch of stuff yeah i think it's i think it's really fattening but it's got other nutrients in there too so here we are at the end of episode 15 yeah so let at me the know end of think, season one let me know what you think of the show i don't know what to call it maybe come up with names and again aspect is in Otherwise inedible or edible but not appealing ingredients. You have oil, uh, fat products, sugar, salt, batter, to and any means of cooking it to make it work. Yeah, so that's the whole point of the show. And then the person who makes the best dish, best tasting dish wins. You, they have to use all the provided ingredients. But they can use as much or as little butter, sugar, whatever. And by wins, we mean they will get starter money to launch a new fast food restaurant using those recipes. So, yeah, here we are at the end of episode 15, season one. Um, End of season one. End of season season one, one. yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you've made it this far, thanks for sticking it out with us. We appreciate you listening. Yep. Hope you've enjoyed it. We enjoy making it. We do. We, uh, We will return with season two. There's going to be some changes to format and yeah, hopefully yeah. have some guest appearances, um, maybe a little bit more professional about it. I think that potentially. That, that's that's going to be my main driving. Uh, that's going to be my my biggest change that I want to make is maybe get headsets. So because like, you know when I'm sitting far back versus up close to the camera, I'm sure it takes or changes the uh, quality. I wasn't going to change any of the technical equipment that we have oh really i was more just gonna wear like a suit and a top hat oh what about a monocle really? well yeah, i guess you possibly, got glasses yeah but how about it improves well, a professional well how about this because you need you and i both need glasses so we can't just wear a monocle how about we just wear two monocles that one in each eye work. yeah okay or we could just switch glasses and wear the other person's yeah and you know what that's a good way to get a headache quick. yes yes it is but also, as the listeners, if there's anything that we haven't listed, um, feel oh, free. Oh, yeah. Send us more topics. More to- We definitely need more topics. We're running on fumes now. And then also let us know any improvements that you'd like, um, whether it be minor, major, uh, technical, logistical, whatever. Because, like, for example, I want to have us have an intro, an outro. Um, 
whenever we have to pause, like a little bump to fade in, then fade or fade out and fade back in. Oh, and a soundboard. Really want a soundboard. So with that, uh, thanks for listening. Have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we will see you in 2020.